0: Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. now where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, 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 welcome. Happy to be here. I've got a wonderful, smiling, savvy, smart, interested, and engaged panel We're going to talk about a fascinating topic. We've never touched on this one before on tech TechRev. We'll have a little bit of technology and a lot of humanity on today show. Our topic is the future of, uh-oh, women versus men in STEM, technology, passion, and creativity. And since I've invited all of these wonderful ladies back, we should have had mm-hmm. a guy on the panel. I thought about that yeah. the other day <laughs> <we're> to defend. <laughs> I'll ha- we'll have to do a part three and, and get it. We'll have eight on the panel, four men and four males and four females. There we go. I've invited back my very special guest, Wave. I haven't done my opening yet, but I'm so excited. I want to just dive in. Allison Morgan, wave hello. Hello, everyone. And Callie Bird, wave hello. And Louisa Pateman, wave hello. And Sandra Estock, wave hello. There we are. Now, let me tell hello to our our viewing audience. We're live streaming on LinkedIn, which I love to do, and on Facebook. So, hello to all. Let me start out with a quote. Allison Morgan was very kind enough to send me some interesting links to articles about this topic. And Allison, I'm going to call you Allison rather than Allie. I'm going to be very formal today. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to quote this is an article. Quoting Diane Halpern, PhD, she's the past president of the American Psychological Association, and she's the author of a book called Sex Differences in Cognitive Abilities. That's really what we're talking about today. So listen up, everyone. I think this will make you smile and make you say, oh, really? So here we go. In a study of 34 rhesus monkeys, male rhesus monkeys strongly preferred toys with wheels over plush toys, whereas female rhesus monkeys found plush toys likable. Interesting. It would be tough to argue that the monkey's parents bought them sex typed toys or that simian society encourages its male offspring to play more with trucks. Just let that sink in. Can you see the monkey parent going out and buying them a, a little truck? Yes, a Tonka truck? Okay, I bought those for my son back in the day. In adulthood, she goes on, women remain more oriented to faces And men to things and here's the bottom line that Diane Halpern concluded the role of culture is not zero the role of biology is not zero and everybody just let that sink in for a second now I'm going to read a quote from Rolling Stone magazine this is an interesting article about women and creativity women are creating more novel art as a result of gender bias estrogen is an asset Okay, guys, think about that one. A new study from music researchers found that women are engaged in creative fields like art, music, and literature at higher rates than men, and women are generally more creative than men interesting. Now, when I asked this panel to come on my show a couple months ago, that's what we talked about is, where is the creativity in women who are really smart and who who have studied the STEM topics? I have one more quote to read from The Guardian. This is from an article in February of 2019. The article, let me see, I don't even have an author here, right? Oh, it's Gina Rippon. Here we go. Once we acknowledge that our brains are plastic and moldable, and she spells it the British way, M-O-U-L-D-A-B-L-E. I like that. And my guests are saying, yeah, we know what that is. <laughs> the, the (laughs) power of gender stereotypes becomes evident. If we could follow the brain journey of a baby girl or a baby boy, we would see that right from the moment of birth or even before, hmm, these brains may be set on different roads. Toys, clothes, books, parents, families, teachers, schools, universities, employers, social and cultural norms, and of course gender stereotypes all can signpost, that's a verb, different directions for different brains. Interesting, that goes back to the monkey thing. So we're asking returning guests, I'm calling them my STEM ladies. Allison Morgan, again, welcome. Callie Byrd, again, welcome back. Louisa Pateman, welcome back. And Sandra Stock. and we're gonna talk about the future of women versus men in STEM, technology, passion, and creativity, part two. Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. I love these ladies. They're always smiling and engaged and happy to talk about interesting topics. And if this isn't interesting, I don't know what is. So let's go on, let's do some introductions here. Allison Morgan. I'm guessing there might be about 6.3 people in the world who don't remember you from the last time you were on my show. Same thing for all of you ladies. So I want you to tell us, refresh us, what you've been up to, what you do, what's your passion for the topic. Three minutes and talk to those 6.3 people. Allison Morgan, I'm putting you on speaker view. You're up first. Welcome back, Allison.
2: Thank you, Bonnie. Um, it's lovely to be back. Great to be asked back. Very brave of you, I must say. Um, for anyone who doesn't know me, and that's probably an awful lot of people, um, I'm Alison Morgan, and I kill people for a living. There you go. I got your attention now, haven't I? Um, I'm a crime writer. Um, <laughs> that's what I do currently. But I haven't always been um, a crime writer. Uh, I my formal career was in nursing, a mental health nurse, um, and in particular. I specialised in psychosis and uh, before a, a, a dodgy little heart problem ended my career for me rather prematurely, I was a um, clinical nurse manager for a very specialist county-wide service for people experiencing their first episode of psychosis um, and, you know, based on that and, and generally speaking, people fascinate me as does the working of the human mind and the body. So on the surface that crime writer, you know, coat on, hat on. Um, I, I, I'm a creative person, but I'm also a problem solver. I'm going to do that quite naturally somehow. I don't know why. I'm quite visual in in, in the way I learn. Um, so until I entered the world of nursing, I never saw myself as having any abilities in STEM whatsoever. Um, and I had to work my way around how to cope with the maths and the science, because that wasn't my strong point. But that's the wonderful thing about brains. Um, it's a cracking piece of equipment that we <laughs> carry around in our, in our skulls. Um, and so th- the topic for today not only relates directly to how we use our brains, obviously, but how our brains are influenced by what we do. Um, so the topic today certainly thrown up some fascinating questions for me Um, and you know when we're talking about men versus women in STEM careers um, there's that accepted norm that uh, that more men than women will enter those career pathways which makes perfect sense to me now not to everybody Um, but men and women generally inherently different in the way they behave how they process information what motivates them what inspires them how they employ creativity so do we expect there to be equal numbers of men and women in certain stem careers or is that unrealistic so lots of things to consider with creativity too and I suppose I would see myself as a creative with a little science undertone there so thank you very much for asking me along Bonnie
1: Thank you, Allison. I love the introduction. I kill people for a living. I've never, I think I've heard that on some some mystery shows, some thriller shows, yes, but they're usually hardened criminals and not mystery writers. So Allison, thank you for qualifying that. We really appreciate that. Let's go to our second lineup guest today, Callie Bird. Welcome back, Callie. Talk to the same 6.3 people. Why are you here and what have you been up to and who are you? Callie, welcome.
3: Hi, thank you for having me again, Bonnie. Hello, 6.3 people. I bet there's more of you. Um, So I write about talking handbags. That's what I've been doing recently. So um, yes, many years ago, I thought, what would happen if the contents of your closet, your handbags, your favourite clothes—what, what, you know—what do they talk about when you're not there? How do they feel when you go and buy a new one? Um, and eventually, uh, that became a novel which I published last year, um, and I'm currently writing a sequel to that. Um, day job-wise, I'm taking a sabbatical at the moment, but. Um, I have worked. So STEM, I've worked last 20 odd years in software design. Um, I'm an accountant once upon a time. Once upon a time, I did a music degree. I then became an accountant because I actually wanted to get a job and earn some money. Um, And then then over the years, I've sort of combined creativity and business. So I've worked part time. Um, doing financial software. So I can code, I can design systems. In more recent years, um, I test them. My, my strap line used to be I spot disasters before they happen because, you know, any of you in the technology sector, you've got to find the bugs in a piece of software or a new website. And it's really good if you find them before it goes live. We all know those horror stories of big companies or government departments, but in something live and it's wrong. So yeah, it was my job to spot that before it, went live and there would be times we would be in the process of putting it live and i think oh, just from the black recesses of my mind I'd think, oh, let's just try this tap away and it either worked or it didn't and i have done the equivalent of stop the presses um in in software sort of deployments in, in the past it's is it you know it's, it's better it takes it takes longer to sort something out once it's happened than to delay it and fix it um so that was my sort that had become my niche in, in more in more recent years. So yeah, and I just like to and I'm on the side I've been writing, I also blog about creativity and, and yeah and encourage people to do their creative passions on the side. You know it's not always realistic to earn a living from your creative passion. Some people manage it, some people don't, but that's not a reason not to do them. So I love to, to encourage people to, to just do it anyway, just just for fun and the joy of creating.
1: Thank you very much, Callie. Happy to have you back. I forgot about the handbags. I'm always (laughs) interested in that very much. Yes, you're talking handbags. I have to go back and read all your novels, ladies. You all sent (laughs) me your books. I've been a little busy, but thank you so much. Callie, I understand you're recovering from not feeling well and we're so happy that you're well enough to join us today. We'll just leave it at that. Thank you. We're grateful that you are here with us. Let's go to Louisa Paitman. You're up next. Louisa, welcome back. Talk to me. Tell us about your background.
4: Uh, Thanks Bonnie. Uh, It's lovely to be back and and hello everyone uh, out there who's listening. Uh, Yeah look I am actually a civil engineer and uh, I've been in the industry for over 25 years and so this is actually quite an interesting topic for me today because when I graduated there was five out of 90 graduates in my year that were women and so I have actually spent 25 years in a male-dominated industry and my career path has been uh it's been quite interesting to if if, to to analyze i guess and my female traits have actually been very beneficial and i've had some very successful posts and um and i've traveled around the world with my job and i have to say that um being female has actually been very beneficial in my career uh not just because of i'm a minority but because i As a female, I bring a softness and I bring uh, a social aspect and I bring differences to the engineering profession, which has actually been incredibly beneficial. Uh, Just recently, I've written my my memoir, which is Single Again and Again and Again, uh, which was my journey to uh, single motherhood, which I don't know if that's got anything to do with the fact that I'm an engineer in in a male-dominated profession and seen as a male, but but we'll discuss that another time. Uh, Having said that, uh, yeah, look, I'm really interested in today's topic because because um, I'm seeing lots of young women come through now as engineers and I'm loving that and I'm loving the mentoring them and I'm really interested to see where the industry is going to head in the next 20 years.
1: Thank you very much. Fascinating backgrounds, all of you. I, that's why I'm so happy to have you all back. And let's introduce Sandra Doc next. Sandra, welcome, 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 welcome back, 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 back. Talk to all of us. Refresh us. What do you do? And what's your passion for our topic? Sandra, you're up.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so
1: much, Bonnie. And thank you so much, my
0: my my companions of this um, panel. It was so much fun last time, and I'm so excited to be back. So a little bit about me. Um, in technology, I, I I was in information technology. I entered the world of cybersecurity. Uh, my identity was taken; uh, it was used by a smuggler in China to bring women into the U.S. So I was taken from a plane by homeland security back in two thousand six, and you know, thinking about how you can, you know, recover from that for six years, I have to prove that I was the real me, nobody wanted to travel with me. And, you know, it was, it was a lot. And I have to come out of that, that place, um, going to an industry, dominated by male in the cybersecurity space and actually bring something different out of that that is not based on fear, that is not based on only, um, you know, you're going to get hacked. And that is being the, the creative side of me, finding a different way to talk about cybersecurity, cyber safety, and make it fun, make it relevant, make it personal. And, you know, I think you don't have to go through identity theft or cyber crime um, and learn from that experience. You can learn from people that already, you know, went and had that experience and you can protect yourself. So I'm very excited for the topic. I'm very excited to how we bring creativity and everything that I have done, whether it's my book, Happily Ever Cyber, my children's series, or my course, Inner Cyber, is integrating creativity in a field that that's not include that. <laughs> and making fun and, and, and or having fun in an area where, you know, a lot of dark things happen.
1: Thank you very much, Sandra. Thank you all of you. I'm remembering, I have to tell you all this story. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, but I didn't use it in any way. And I found myself getting a divorce, my decision, two young children, 3,000 miles from where my family lived, very much alone on the West side of the United States. Family was in New York and I needed a job. I needed to do something. It was time for Bonnie to step up and say, yes, I can earn a living. I can support my kids. What that blank am I going to do? 27 years old, never worked a day in my life. I was a young mom and I was taken care of and I went to very good colleges and I had a degree. My parents sent me a bunch of brochures and they said, here's some quick careers. What are you going to do? And I said, computers. Wow, what's that? And I went to a community college. I had to take two buses to get there. I was a divorced i didn't have a car living in a park with my two kids i know allison and i went and they said to me well you can enroll in the computer 101 class but it's already full but if you keep coming back staying in the back of the room for two weeks in two weeks most people will drop out because they'll discover it's hard it requires a lot of focus and concentration. We'll have a place for you in two weeks. So I kept going to the class and in two weeks, 90% of the people were gone and they said welcome and they enrolled me. Now our class was interesting. It was a lot of, I'll say dropouts. We had people who had started architecture school didn't like it, well, we'll do computer. We had people who dropped out of med school We had people who started law school and didn't like it. We had almost refugees from professional graduate schools who decided What's this thing called computers? I want to code. So we went through class together, but if I remember, it was fairly evenly split, male and female. And I learned a whole bunch of languages and the college hired me right on the spot at the end. I did a 4.0 GPA, but the reason I wanted to, and I ran a statewide community college information system as a programmer analyst, and then they put me in charge of the whole system when my boss left to go do fish food processing in California or something two years later. But I, I took enough classes because it was a community college, I was able to apply my bachelor's credits. So I didn't need to take a full curriculum. Remember, I'm a mom. I'm commuting by bus. I've got two young kids at home. One's in school. The other was with the babysitter. And I took a class in business statistics. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because I liked, I I had been on the math team in junior high, which is now called middle school. I was on the the competitive math team. Can you imagine? And I was one of 20 students who won a joint math award at our junior high school graduation. They put a hundred of us in the cafeteria. We took a math test. I was one of the 20 top scorers. We all got the same. And I got a math award. I love math. And I thought, computers, wow, math. I'm good at math. I'll do, who knew you had to be creative, right, Callie? You take a blank sheet Mm. and you code. You have a problem. Let's go from point A to point B. You decide you're using COBOL, PL1, Fortran, Assembler, whatever. You have to get there. You create the path using the language that you know. So I took the business statistics class and I aced the class. I got 100 on every Every homework assignment, I aced the whole thing. But the men in the class, and they were mostly men, were really, really, I'm going to use a bad word, they were pissed at me at the end. How could you do that? Well, they were using slide rules. I was figuring everything out with pencil and paper because my brain wanted me to do the computations. That's how I worked. I looked at the numbers. I didn't want anything. We, we didn't have cell phones in those days. We didn't have calculators like that, not that kind. They were using machines in some way to get to the answers. And I was just I was just writing down, okay, divide, add, subtract, yeah, do this, do that. And I was coming up with all the answers and they really didn't like me because I think I became at that moment an early woman in STEM. Am I right? And Mm -hmm. the guys thought, what's she doing here? What? She's a mother. She's got two kids. She's acing the class. How dare she intrude on our world? So that was one of my early forays Mm -hmm. into the world of STEM, women's brains, men's brains. But my brain was saying, I can do this because I love it. I want to figure this out. I want to do it longhand, if you will. I'm doing it my way. So anyway, that's my little story. Thank you all. I I listened to all of you, and and Callie, I know about solving problems, and what you talked about is preventive maintenance on, on equipment, on machines. People are doing that now with edge computing using artificial intelligence sensors. That's what they're all about, is you put sensors on machines and they predict. They're putting them in cars now cali bird we have an appointment for you at bob's auto shop take exit 63 they're waiting with a new belt for your whatever needs a belt in your car it will cost you 22 and $22. we'll put it on your apple pay you'll be at bob's in 10 minutes you'll be done in 22 minutes and you can still make your appointment with sandra estock to have lunch at the restaurant down the road it's going to come to that where we will be yeah. able to predict and make these things happen for all of us. That's where it's going. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think it's really kind of cool. So let's go on to the, anybody have any comments about my my journey story? Allison, you want to say anything or Sand- Sandra? Go ahead, Sandra. Yeah, I I, I loved your story so much.
0: You reminded me, you know, exactly the same. I got off a bus and I went to that same, you know, situation that you had at college and what is this about? And I, that's how I enter the world of technology, too, you know, not knowing so much. And I love that you share that. And, and I can picture yourself in that room and that male-dominated. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what? one of my um, my quotes, and I, I'm just going ahead, but a little bit because your story is so powerful, is, is the choices that you make. And how you, you know, whoever was in that room, whoever, like it didn't matter to you and it didn't intimidate you, you had that confidence. And I think that's one of the biggest um, gifts that, you know, any woman um, that is listening, if you have that, you know, nobody, it doesn't matter the gender difference or, you know, whether you're tall, small, whatever the color of your skin who you are. It's, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, you, if you have,
1: if you own who you are, you can do anything that you want. I like that. Anybody have any other? Thank you, Sandra. Anybody have any other comments on what Sandra said or should we go on?
4: I think we're ready oh, to go. I fully agree. I fully agree with what Sandra just said. Um, confidence is such a powerful tool and uh, and having faith in yourself is such a, a gift. And, uh, and those two things combined and just believing in yourself. You can do wonders. You know, gender doesn't matter. It really doesn't.
1: And I'm finding out that in the boomer era, and I won't tell you my age, but in the boomer era, there are men who are in that era who remember when they didn't want women in those professions. They didn't want us to be the smart one in the room. They didn't want us, and they're still out there saying, go away. We don't want to work with you. We don't want to talk to you. They're still, they brought that with them over the years. They haven't changed. So it's going to be the other genera- I'm probably going to make some enemies with these statements, but they're, they're, with, with the audience, but they're, they're, I think it's the, the younger generations coming up that will have more respect and will say, we don't care who you are or how you identify That's a really powerful Mm -hmm. word today. Mm -hmm. It's a social word. It's a culture word. It's a personal word. How you identify, it doesn't really matter. Bring your brain to whatever you're doing and let's get on with life. Let's make the world better. Let's make things smarter. Let's make us healthier. Let's make us have more endurance and longevity as a culture, a society, a planet. Just bring your A game and do something. And I'd love to see us get to the point where we didn't have to have this conversation about the female brain versus the male brain. Okay. (laughs) Let's go on. And by the way, I had, when I was growing up, (laughs) my dad and I had a train set of Lionel trains and we used to set them up in the basement and we used to turn out the lights and crash them. He'd have a train going toward mine and we'd crash them and watch all the sparks fly. And I love to have all the little accessories, the cattle car and the whistles and all that. I was a train kid. I was driving a boat when I was about 12 years old. I I think I was supposed to be a boy. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) See, that's a very telling statement. Even though I was very much a girl girl. Let's leave this one alone. Let's go. I'm going to get real trouble here. Let's go to the quote part of the show. My guests have graciously sent me a quote from a movie or a TV fictional character or a song, and it has nothing to do with the topic until they tell us how and why. Alison Morgan sent us a quote from the iconic, the wonderful, the charming Winnie the Pooh. And let's see. Winnie the Pooh uh, was released as an animated version of the story by Disney in 1977. Disney bought the original rights to A.A. A. Milne's story. It was written in 1929, in 61. Winnie the Pooh, also called Pooh, Pooh Bear, and Pooh, P-O-O-H, is a fictional anthropomorphic teddy bear created by English author <laughs> A. A. Millen and English illustrator E.H. Shepard. Here is the quote. If the person you are talking to doesn't appear to be listening, Be patient. It may simply be that he has a small piece of fluff in his ear. Oh, Allison, this is great. I'm going to say, if only. Allison Morgan, tell me how you found this one. Take two minutes because I want to get to predictions. Go ahead.
2: Oh, well, I've always loved A.A. Milne. All those stories were read to me as a child, and there is such wisdom to be found in the pages of Winnie the Pooh, uh, all the poems. So, you know, if, you cu- if you're really struggling in life, dive into a bit of Winnie the Pooh and he will sort you out. Because for a bear of very little brain, Winnie the Pooh speaks sense to me. He's also very generous and very forgiving. Um, so one of my favorite little, like, I can't say people, little bears in life. Um, and I picked up on this quote because I think if if someone you're talking to doesn't appear to be listening, the immediate conclusion most people would jump to would, to assume that that person is disinterested or just being downright rude, which may be the case. <laughs> However, given that um, active listening is a skill, one that my husband doesn't possess, by the way, because he's too busy to thinking about <laughs> motorbikes, probably. <laughs> we, we should consider who the listeners might be to whatever we're, we're trying to put across. And who is doing the talking? Those are also very important. The topic today looks at the gender divide, perhaps seeks to find out why many educated women, skilled, creative, passionate, are sometimes, not always, sometimes poorly represented in in STEM professions. So if women are not being heard within the world of STEM careers, and it's not rudeness, (laughs) or someone being disinterested, what is it? So that's what set me off on this different way of thinking about things. I worked within a very sort of heavy gender bias area, nursing, for example. Now, in other areas of like scientific research, precision engineering, there's a bias the other way. So potentially much more male orientated. Um, So I try to look at things from a different angle. And that's what Winnie the Pooh is saying, you know wait for someone to take a bit of fluff out of their ear because maybe they're just not able to hear what it is that needs to happen that's different so with nursing history pays a part you you say nursing everyone thinks Florence Nightingale vocation caring the pay has always been a little bit on the lower side for nursing but male nurses and there are there are you know a, a big swathe of male nurses now they tend to go for more m- the more macho end if you like of, of nursing a bit more heroic stuff so mental health <laughs> nursing drug and alcohol services forensic services where you know need a bit of bit of uh heft shall we say um prison nursing a and accident emergency um paramedics and more men, much more men, top heavy wise, found in management, so at director level and on the boards for hospitals and healthcare services. Their take home pay is therefore higher. And then you've got a number of, of, of women in healthcare in the workforce working part time to accommodate family. And this is because women are superheroes. How they manage to juggle all that, goodness knows. I mean, on your story, Bonnie, just represents that quite neatly. Um, but what about, so what about these, stem careers, women seem quite well um, represented in some of the biological sciences and veterinary medicine, you know, that they're really well represented there. So my point is, in those areas where women are better represented, who has been listening? And who has removed the fluff from their ears?
1: Thank you. Very charming. I love the quote. I've never heard it. And and we could almost use that as an excuse for people, as you say, who are just being rude. It's like, would you please take that little bit of fluff out of your ear? ear?" (laughs) I I think that's a new one. I'm gonna use that let them, well, Winnie the Pooh said it, so it must be okay. Thank you very much. Callie Bird. I'm moving over to you. You have introduced me to a new TV series I'm going to have to start watching, and I like Melora Hardin, the actress. She plays a character named Jacqueline Carlisle. What a lovely name. Editor-in-chief at Scarlet. Oh, my. I wonder what they're talking about. <laughs> Made for <On> you. <laughs> the Netflix show, The Bold Type, ran from 2017, still here in 2021, uh, produced by Universal Television for Freeform, inspired by the life and career of former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan, Joanna Coles, who is executive producer of the series. Really, really cool. Filmed in Toronto, Montreal, and New York City. It chronicles the lives of three millennial women, Katie Stevens, Aisha D, and Megan Fahey, all of whom are employed at a fictional global publication called Scarlet in New York City. Gotta watch this. Here's the quote from Jacqueline Carlyle, editor-in-chief at Scarlet. Don't say sorry when you have nothing to apologize for. Oh, I like, I say that to people all the time. I don't accept your apology because you have nothing to apologize for. I must have seen the series in my dream. Callie, (laughs) talk to me, talk to me. How'd you pick this one? Well,
3: I I just thought what shows have I been loving recently? And I, yeah, I've had a couple of health issues. So I've been watching Netflix a little bit more than normal. And I've watched the show that's called The Bold Type um, and have just loved it. And it's just been engaging and fun. And and I just wanted to pick something memorable from it. I thought actually as women we do have a tendency to say sorry and apologize more even when it's not our fault I think we have a sort of an innate sort of people pleasing smoothing it over make people feel okay um so there are times when we say sorry and 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 we shouldn't and I think so this was just a a great reminder I, I think that the the, the background in the show was there was a, there's a young writer, one of the main characters, uh, Jane, and she'd written an article about somebody, and this other person had sued, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, I put the magazine in dispute," and they're like, "No, your article was correct. We fact checked it. We did all these things. Don't say sorry for this, you know. And we can handle this." And she's the one with the problem. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think sometimes as women, we we could be more confident. I think this is changing with the times. You know, when I sort of looked at sort of gender things and articles I looked at um, about STEM subjects, you know, men are often more, comf- more confident in the workplace. A man will think was sort of you know apply for a job even if he can't do 30 40 percent of it he'll think yeah i just figured that out where a woman tends not to apply for a job unless she's comfortable she can do pretty much all of it she won't even apply for it men ask for more money and bigger pay rises and more frequently than women um, so often, like graduate starting salaries and things like that, you know, the, the 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 male graduates will will ask for a higher baseline st- straight up when women tend not to. So I just think, yeah, this is a a, a good lesson for us. I mean, as women, we have amazing innate abilities, um, but some of them we could improve, and this is probably one of them. Don't apologise. This is something you have not, nothing to apologise for.
1: You're right, and I remember when it felt safe for me to say it must be my fault, blame me. Seriously, first one, Mm -hmm. raise my hand in the room. Yeah, if if there's a problem, I probably did it. Tell me what you need fixed. I've done that for years. I don't do it anymore. Mm but. That's part of our nurturers, right? We need to fix everything. We need to make sure everybody is happy and safe and dry and warm and comfortable and feels good about themselves because that's our job as nurturers. Oh my, I'm getting snippy here. (laughs) Let's move on. (laughs) Thank thank you. Love the quote. I'm going to remember that one too. Let's see. Louisa has picked a very interesting quote. This is from the movie. The movie was Legally Blonde, 2001 American comedy film. Reese Witherspoon, of course, plays L-E-L-L. Woods. I'll tell you the backstory. Witherspoon, L. Woods, a sorority girl who attempts to win back her boyfriend, Warner Huntington III, by getting a JD degree at Harvard Law School and in the process overcomes stereotypes against blondes. And she triumphs as a successful lawyer through her, here comes the word, unflappable self-confidence and her fashion and beauty know-how. And what's interesting is that it is based on a story written by Amanda Brown, a novel in 2001, rewritten for the screen by Karen McCullough Lutz and Kristen. Smith. And the outline came from Amanda Brown's experiences as a blonde going to Stanford Law School. While she was obsessed with fashion and beauty, and she was reading Elle magazine, and she clashed with the personalities of her peers. So real life comes to the screen. Love the movie. Here's the quote Louisa has picked. You must always have faith in people. And more importantly, you must always have faith in yourself. I think that was my best wreath Reese Witherspoon impersonation, ever, Louisa, <laughs> rescue me, please.
4: <laughs> oh, you did a great pers- impersonation. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, look, i um, for this topic. Um, that movie, uh, I guess, rang a bell for me. Um, I I really enjoyed the movie. It's um, it's light hearted, but it has some some really good, interesting undertones. And um, for me, being in a very male dominated profession. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, I guess similarities um, in the movie and what I loved um, and and, you know with the quote about having faith in yourself um, what I loved about um, Elwood's character was that she didn't actually strive to fit in and and one of the the failings I think we have as human beings is that we have this desire to fit in to blend we don't want to stand out and and I think that goes a long way and it's a limiting belief. And and so we don't go and push ourselves and we don't want to wear different clothing or have different hair and or have a different gender, you know, going into a male-dominated profession. And and yet um we, we have this Hollywood movie um which is basically showing that, you know, you can actually succeed and be yourself. And and she was very girly, she was very pretty in a male-dominated feel and didn't feel the need to dress down and didn't feel the need to wear a suit uh, or certainly one of you know the specific color for me in engineering when i first started almost every single male had a blue shirt you know so they all wore blue shirts and a tie back then uh they had gray pants a belt and uh and shoes and and that was the unofficial uniform and so for a female coming in you know i chose to wear dresses i chose to wear a skirt and so and and that didn't wasn't a disbenefit it certainly <clears throat> was a shock to the 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 men who where that was the norm uh like the movie um but look i you know i i saw a lot of similarities and um yeah certainly have faith in yourself i love that quote so yes
1: Thank you very much. And you're reminding me when I was taken to task, I was working as a marketing director for a very large and well-known bank in downtown New York, two blocks from the World Trade Center. We'll leave that one alone. And I was told that they didn't like the way I dressed when I went to work. Now, ladies, I wore uh, high heels or pumps every day. It was the first one there, 7.30 in the morning. I opened the office, okay? And instead of wearing my silk scarf tucked into my jacket of my suit, I had the nerve to put it up here and put it in my hair, the silk scarf in my hair. And instead of having a tweed suit or a jacket like the other ladies who were wearing thousand dollar suits to work, at least that's what I thought the price tags were. They did everything but show you the price tags. Okay, Uh, I had some sparkles on one of my sports jackets. Imagine that having a little sparkly something on the sports jacket. And I did wear skirts and stockings and and, uh, I I did wear makeup and I had my jewelry and I, I looked very professional but my own style. And the women on the, in the department decided that I needed to be taken to task so they had my male boss reprimand me. This was a guy whose white shirt, by the way, Louisa, was always hanging out of his pants. He couldn't keep his shirt tucked in. He put his jacket on the back of his chair and didn't wear it all day when the women were wearing their business suits and their fancy shoes, you know, and all that. And he could, and he was told they were sending me for training in Dress for Success that HR had a special class on how uh, Allison's saying, what? Yes. So they told me, unless I reprim- rep- repaired my style of dressing to work in this bank with all the work I was doing, I started a global newsletter and a magazine for them that nobody had ever done before. I wrote it. I designed it. I printed it. I cre- It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. They didn't like the way I wore the scarf up here instead of down here inside my suit. So I was told by a male boss that the ladies didn't like how I dressed and I should change my style. I thought that was very, very interesting. So women in power, looking at other women, look at how that one went. Okay, let's move on. Sandra Estock has sent us a wonderful quote from Dumbledore in Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets 2001 fantasy film. I have his full name, Albus, Percival, Wolfric, Brian, I like the Brian Dumbledore fictional character in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter Harry Potter series. He is the headmaster for most of the series of the Wizarding School Hogwarts. As part of his backstory, he is the founder and leader of the Order of the Phoenix, an organization dedicated to fighting Lord Voldemort, the main antagonist of the series. And J.K. Rowling has said that she chose the name Dumbledore, which is a dialectical word for bumblebee because of Dumbledore's love of music. She imagined him walking around <laughs> humming. To himself a lot. And here is the quote Sandra has picked from Dumbledore It is not our abilities that show what we truly are, it is our choices. And Sandra, you alluded to this in the beginning of the show. Tell me how you found this one. Go ahead.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know, I was thinking about the topic and going
0: back to my childhood and who I was. And I think we have talked about confidence. And I grew up in a very poor area. I lived in a, in a shack where I was so embarrassed. We didn't even have a bathroom. Um, and I was always having so much shame. So I wouldn't tell anybody where I live. I didn't have friends because I wanted to hide and, um, you know, being hiding myself and, and thinking that I don't I don't have the abilities or I don't have this or I don't have the right house. I don't live in the right place. I don't have, you know, I don't go to the right schools. Like there, there were so many reasons I couldn't have not to have the life I have, but instead of having, you know, going with that, I, I made a choice and I think that that was why I I picked this because our choices, I think, define our lives and when I was 11 I choose that I will have happiness no matter what and that I will choose happiness and everything in my life and everything that I have done from that place and getting into into a career in technology getting into where I am having you know the confidence that you talk about Louisa and and YouTube Bunny it's like when you when we go into a room and when we own that because we're choosing that it's where we get the power, where we get who we are. and I did not have that for a long time and I'm so grateful I found it. And if, again, back to our watcher here who you know if, if you ever have been in a situation where you think where you came from or what you had is not good enough or you're not good enough or whatever that, it's just just know that none of that matters. What matters is the choice that you want. Creativity is a choice. STEM careers are a choice. Like just find that passion, whatever it is in you and choose that. And then things will be uh, Mm -hmm. incredibly
1: for your life. And that's how it's been for mine. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you all. I'm looking at the clock. It's 42 after. We've got about 14 minutes left. We haven't gotten to predictions, but I'm loving the conversation. That's why I invited you all of you all of you back, because you're also articulate and passionate, and we can we can feel the topic oozing out of our pores. So let's see if we can squeeze in at least one prediction each. I put a couple into the chat for each of you. Let's keep it to exactly two minutes or less, because I want to see how much we can cover. Allison Morgan, I'm looking at your prediction number two. You say in order to appeal to women creative jobs in STEM careers will be actively advertised as such within secondary school education, producing a better gender balance in STEM subjects chosen by students. That's a big topic, but I want you to keep it to about two minutes. Alison, go. I will
2: keep this short, sweet, and to the point. Um, School is where we need to do the work to encourage uh, girls, young ladies, people about to choose topics. And maybe verging on the chickening out and going down the easy route and make them think about tr- their career choices in a slightly different way. So I did a little bit of mooching around on the Internet like I do and thought, well, where's the balance here between those of us who think we're creative and those of us who, who might have also a bit of talent with maybe one of the STEM subjects We might not be genius. But out there, what I discovered are some really, really interesting career choices. Here's my point. I've got to read this because I will get it wrong otherwise. A science illustrator. That's art and science. How wonderful is that? If you're you're very artistic, which I'm not. Uh, A science communicator. Who knew there was such a thing? Words and science. A heart is a pump. How do you communicate science to other people? Whether you're doing a copy for a a magazine article or whatever. A science communicator. Wow, I didn't even know existed. Things like a sound engineer. Um, How about this one? A biomedical animator, way up. Um, So there are your computer skills, your artistic skills and your understanding of science. Wow, data visualization slightly lost me on that one I was thinking oh but I think it's like the next step up from pie charts and (laughs) I don't really know so but I'm throwing it out there because I'm sure the ladies on the panel one of them will understand what this all this means but but this is the one that got me I thought oh this would be good maths and dance can be combined within biomechanics wow have those conversations with people in schools with young people get them enthusiastic yeah. about these as options because then as uh, sandra was saying people will know what their choices are then they can have some choices they can drive themselves and maybe their their be- self-belief will improve when they think actually there are other things out there that i can that i can do thank uh, you Alison.
1: both Thank you. I want to apply for some of those jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I really, I I recognized a lot of those and and they're very, very interesting ways of combining different parts of different brains into different professions that need those touches, if you will, need those aspects. Callie, I picked prediction number one as I'm looking at it. This might've been from your original set of predictions you sent me, but I love this one anyway. So Callie, take about two minutes. You say there will be an increasing recognition that long hours and hustle culture just lead to burnout and not increased productivity. I'm gonna leave it there. Callie, this applies to everyone. So let's take this one. Go ahead, Callie Bird. Uh,
3: yeah, I am, oh gosh, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think we, we are seeing increasingly, and we've seen it in, in the pandemic uh, that, I've I read a blog today, you know, the death of hustle culture. I, you know, I've always been someone who's been quite self-motivated. I've done side projects around my day job and that's, you know, and a lot of writers do that. So, um, you're always doing stuff on the side, working extra, and we have had this thing, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, some sort of well-known names. Oh, my God, you have to earn, you know, you have to work 100 hours a week or you'll never make it. And and I think we, we are turning away from that. The pandemic has made us see that. And I think women have always seen this. I don't think it's a recent thing. And again, it has played out. You know, often, you know, women do go into, you know, into STEM subjects. Often there are more women graduates in, in some subjects. But by the time they go through the workplace and reach middle management, you know, women women look at this often a male dominated workplace or or politics or the way it runs actually suits men better than women and they say this is hurting my life I can't combine this with being a mother or my other responsibilities so they step away or they do it differently they do it part-time they become entrepreneurs so so women are, have always been been doing this. And I think, again, we're, sort of, there's, we're leading away with this. Uh, you know, we've probably all seen blogs and seen on the news, you know, this term, I love it, the great resignation, which again yes. has come about as part of the pandemic. And according to Forbes magazine, you know, there are more women you know, saying, I'm going to quit my job and do it a different way than there are men. And, and you know, we've seen in the summer, we, you know, washing their tennis and stuff, Naomi Osaka, back at, it was back June time, in the French Open, mm-hmm. saying, I- I'm sorry, my mental health isn't up to this. I'm going to step away from this tournament. I, I-, I can't do it the way you want me to do it. Um, and, and we're starting to see that be applauded now. And so, yeah, women are, are leading in that. And, and perhaps I think that everything's up for grabs, isn't it? The way the world works at the moment. And we are, we are seeing change.
1: I'm glad you brought that in. The idea of women being at the forefront of saying mental health should be part of everybody's job and part of our, I almost, mm. I don't like the word entitlement, but part of what we should be allowing ourselves to embrace and to experience we need to pay more attention to mental health period end of story yes absolutely We see so i didn't in, in tennis we saw it in gymnastics we saw it yeah, in a lot of yeah. fields this summer right yes i can't do that i've got the what was it the wheelies or the oh yes
3: simone biles, simone isn't biles it? Yeah.
1: very dramatic yeah, it, when people yeah, very, at the top of their game worked the a lifetime say no i can't do it Everybody pays attention all of a sudden in their moment of need, their moment of horror, if you will, personal, OMG, what? Anyway, let's move on. Louise Pateman, Louisa, I'm looking at your prediction number two. I love this one. You say, you predict the promotion of women in STEM careers in television and on social media. We'll see an increase in younger girls who want to follow a STEM career path. Louisa, unpack for me, please. Yeah, look.
4: It's interesting how uh, media and society can mold you, right? And so um, when you see things um, on television or you see, uh, I guess, your influences and and, and, uh, your role models doing things, it becomes normal. So it normalizes it. So so. It's and I guess that goes with with what I did with my book. Um, you know, becoming a single mother by choice. The whole reason I wrote the book was to normalize it. And so, the the more um, something is out there, so if we see more uh, women in STEM careers on television and uh, and and in social media, it just becomes the norm. And so it's not. It's not something, it's not your, you're not actually going against the grain, you know, so there's all these subliminal messages and, and then you can as a young girl, you can visualize yourself in that because you're already seeing someone else do it. And they say that um you have a modeling period in our, in our in our life. And so you have your in-print period from naught to seven, and then from eight to about 12, you have this model period where where young children look at someone and they're encouraged and they like to model that person. And so if we have more women in STEM visual and in media and out there, then it just becomes what young girls will want to do. And so it will normalize it and it will just be something that is instead of something that you know, you have to actually break into. And so, you know, I certainly I'm seeing it in, in some of the STEM areas um, in television. I'd love to see more engineering as an engineer. I'd love to see more uh, females in engineering positions, but they're certainly coming through. And I, I do think that it inspires young girls to then follow suit and they go, oh, I think that's fantastic. And and then they they have that as a career path.
1: Thank you very much. Good going. Let's see if we can squeeze in a couple more predictions. Sandra Estock, I'm looking at number three. You say, oh dear, for the next five years, Sandra predicts, men will continue to lead STEM occupations, especially in computer and engineering jobs. Unless a significant shift happens, women will continue to have less than 25, be less than 25% of that workforce. Sandra, the warning bell, talk to us.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I love that we can change this prediction. And and that's what I'm hoping. And I, you know, I want to thank you, Bonnie, because this panel and the work that you are doing, the work that each of us is doing is changing. It's going to be what that shift for that young girl or for that person, like Louise was saying, the more we are out there, the more we can be showing how and how different and how fun it is to be in technology and how, you know, the personality that you don't have to wear the suit that everyone else is wearing. You don't have to have your hair in a certain way or, you know, you wear makeup. You you just have to be you. And I think that's a shift. And I love that you said, uh, louise about social media, about TV, about being out there. I think when when we put ourselves out there, um, it's not just for us, it's, it's for, for for that person that is watching, for that kid that is watching, for that girl that is watching. And if we come from that place, I think that this shift will really happen and we will see more women in technology, doing cybersecurity, doing information technology and doing all the different areas that, um, Computing and engineering has to offer. And if that is you, just know that you're going to have a wonderful time.
1: (laughs) There you go. And we're just about out of time. I do want to pick one more here um, from Allison Morgan, but I have a comment on what you said, Sandra, really fast. I'm thinking it's both sides of the coin. It's will girls, women, people with a female brain, I I don't know how to say this anymore, (laughs) will they? enjoy their lives more if they get into these fields that they thought were closed off to them and will these professional fields benefit from their mm. way of thinking their way of creating i think it's a it's a flip it's a two-sided coin will the person benefit and will the profession benefit and will everybody benefit it's not just you need to take a job in this because they need you because you have a female brain it's You'll love what you do. Sandra, you brought this out. Allison. I can give you exactly one minute for this. I know, but here I've got to read this one. Allison says, courses in forensic science will continue to grow and attract more women. Here's the caveat. Because more women read crime stories than men, and crime writers are constantly needing to keep up with advances in forensic science. One minute, Allison. please. That's all I've got. Go ahead. Oh,
2: no problem at all. This is a bit of a personal one for me. If you ever sit down to write a crime novel, it will very, very quickly occur to you that you need to have an understanding of science, engineering, technology, Mm -hmm. maths even play a part. What time did the murder take place? Blah, blah, blah. Women love crime fiction and it's a safe way to be scared and be entertained. And they're heading off to do courses on forensic science because
1: they could get a job as a CSI. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. You go. that quick. She did it. One minute. <laughs> Allison, talked for one minute. Everybody give her a round of applause. Thank you. Ladies, I appreciate you so much. I've had too good a time. This is the show. You just gave me such such a boost, such a lift. I really appreciate all of you. Allison Morgan, thank you for suggesting we take the topic into that brain versus brain. I won't say which ones approach. Thank you very much. Callie Bird, I'm glad you're well and you could join us. Louisa Bateman, we're so happy you're here and I love. The special effect on your Zoom video—it's very beautiful. You look like a French painting. And Sandra Stock, we're glad you're you're safe from cybercrime, and everybody is good. And a shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extra. Everybody say thank you, Aaron. One, two, three. Thank, thank you, Aaron. You, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> I told you he was 26 when he started working with me, and he told me this Friday he's going to turn 63. I put him through his paces. Wow. Happy birthday, Aaron. And ladies, I want you all to raise your hand. Don't go away because we we'll take pictures after. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. I want you to wag your finger, everybody. If somebody comes to you right now and says, what are you talking about? The future is already here. I want you to say, no, no, no. Say with me, one, two, three. No, no, no. 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 That was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. And we're all here to make sure it's a better one. Everybody wave goodbye. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Bye Bye, Facebook. Bye Bye, LinkedIn. Bye-bye.